Hey everyone, Pastor Kevin, listen, today I have a word from the Lord that I believe is going to be a blessing to your life, strengthen you in your journey. All of us need a shot in the arm in our faith, and I believe that word today is going to do that. Take the next few minutes, spread the word, tell your friends and family this message is coming on. I'm believing it's going to change our lives, and I want you to hang on till the end. I'm going to come back and pray for your needs, and I believe God's going to touch today. Let's jump into this word and be blessed. I'll be back soon. For a moment today, let me share the word with you. Open your Bible to the sixth chapter of the book of St. John. Let me go there with you quickly. The sixth chapter of the book of St. John. And um, I'm going to ask you to look at the first verse. And I know this may seem coincidental to you and perhaps you would interpret uh, my message today as somehow uh, a pun on the week that we have just experienced. But I wanna preach today a message out of your refrigerator. Look at somebody tell them, neighbor, there will be leftovers. That's the wrong neighbor. Look at your other neighbor, tell them, neighbor, there will be leftovers. Look at, look at John chapter 6, verse 1. And the Bible reads this. Come on, y'all read it with me. Let's, I want you to get it in your spirit. Don't just look at it. Read it. Open your mouth with me and read it. Come on, let's read it together. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. That is, the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. That's important. I'll share why in a minute. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind. How many know God already knows what he's going to do? He already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down, about 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted, as much as they wanted, as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. Next verse, last one. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Come on, encourage your neighbor and tell them, neighbor, there shall be leftovers. Yeah, if you, got, if you sat by a dieting neighbor, turn, turn over to the other neighbor that's not on a diet and tell them, there shall be leftovers. Okay. Lord, we thank you for your word. At the entrance of that word, there is life. I pray that the word of God would go forth today, that you would crown my life with the anointing to teach and preach it, and their life with the anointing to receive and apply it. 
I prayed that there would be a spirit of wisdom and revelation just sit on every row, every seat, every person. I, I pray the Holy Ghost would just open up hearts and minds, that light bulbs would go off, that people would come alive. I pray you would do things today that I've not even thought you might do in this message, things that are beyond what I've asked you to do. I pray, God, that you would just flex your muscle beyond the prayers we prayed and you will do stuff that's not on anybody's radar just to show everybody in the house that you are God. We thank you that your ways are not our ways and as far as the heavens are above the earth, that's how far your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So today, God, I pray you would have your way and that you would get your glory because it is all due your name. In Jesus' name, and the family said, Amen. You can be seated. So I think I speak for many people in this room who would testify that this time of year is a very special time. I know that um, there are people who struggle sometimes, and we're cognizant of those struggles for our church family who are struggling and have, um, you know, no family and sometimes no friends or you've lost a loved one. We, we recognize those are difficult things. And, uh, but, but by and large, there's something about this season that is, uh, it brings a measure of joy. I think one of those things that make it such a joyous season is the time we spend with family. Amen. And this past week, uh, the, the other thing that makes it such a time of joy is food. Food, food. And this week I was able, I've been able to experience both of those joyous things, both food and family. And uh, the boys come in, Jeremiah and Michelle came in from D.C. Isn't it good to have Jeremiah and Michelle with us this morning? Love you. And Isaiah came in from college, and the girls who were there, and the babies there, and then mom and dad, and all the cousins and aunties, and everybody came over on Thursday, and we had more food than needed. We walked into the kitchen, and there was more food sitting. We had to put up tables to hold all the food. And I, I, you know, I, any kitchen my mama goes in, she is the cook of the kitchen. In her kitchen, in my kitchen, in your kitchen, mama is the cook, right? You understand? So just a few weeks ago, she cooked 43 pans of dressing for the students at the school and all their families. 43, Lila. 43 pans of dressing. So we have enough food in this house on Thursday to feed an army. And you say, Mom, why do we have so much food? And she says, well, you, everyone's going to want some leftovers. And she was right. I have eaten six meals since Thanksgiving. Six. Every meal I have eaten since Thanksgiving has had some version of turkey, dressing, sweet potato casserole. You start creating things out of the leftovers. You get creative and you start, well, I wonder what that would taste like with that. And people are just doing all kinds of things and you have this amazing thing. And I'm gonna prophesy to you, after I go home from church today, I'll eat meal number seven since Thanksgiving and somehow there will be some leftover incorporated. And the, the ladies who cooked, they had Devin and, and my sister and my mom and all the family that came, and we, then we ate with Devin's family. All the ladies who cooked, they had days and days to prepare. But this miracle that I read to you today in the sixth chapter of John, there was no such pleasure of preparation or there was no way to really equip themselves to be able to feed the people who were fixing 
to be hungry after having followed Jesus. And that is why this miracle is so significant. In fact, it is so significant that it's one of only three miracles that is found in all four Gospels. Most of the Gospels, uh, so you know you have three synoptic Gospels. Let me teach you. I think I'm not trying to insult your intelligence. Most of you know this, but I want to make sure you know that Matthew, Mark, and Luke are all synoptic Gospels, which means they follow a certain chronology, a timeline. They include certain of the same events, the same miracles, the same stories. But when you come to the Gospel of St. John, he is not a synoptic writer. In fact, the, the, the majority of John's gospel does not occur in the same places that Matthew, Mark, and Luke are written about. The majority of John's gospel is written in Jerusalem and regards really the final few weeks of Jesus' life. So when you come to the sixth chapter of John and you see this miracle in John's gospel happening according to the first verse, on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, it's a rarity because John is not usually writing about Jesus' ministry in Galilee. He's more focused on Jesus' time in Jerusalem, which is significant because when John tells us that he crossed over the Sea of Galilee and went to the other side, we know now that John, that John is writing about Jesus' ministry in Galilee, and he is specifically zeroing in on that period of time where Jesus was doing mighty miracles in Galilee, and it's one of only a few places where the miracle that is recorded in John also is recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. What's the point of saying that? This is a significant miracle. He's letting us know, I'm writing what you already probably heard about, but I want you to know that what I'm getting ready to tell you is significant and everybody needs to know it. All of the gospel writers had unique audiences to whom they were writing. Some were writing to Gentiles, some were writing to the Jews, some were writing uh, for a revelation of Jesus as the servant, some were writing for Jesus as a re revelation of the son, some were writing as a revelation of Jesus who came to heal Whoever they were writing to, all of them included this miracle, and it is a significant miracle. And you need to catch the backstory of this miracle to understand its significance. The Bible said that he crossed over into Galilee, and I want you to look at verse number two. It says that the multitude was following him because of the miracles and the healings he was performing. How many see that? What you probably cannot see in the English is the power of what is being suggested in the original Greek. Sometimes we read in the English, we miss a few little of the nuances of the Greek language. This is one of those places where you can miss something that is being said. If, if, if you understand it and look into it, you can see it clearly. In the Greek, it literally says this, the multitude kept following Jesus because they continually watched him work signs and wonders, wonders as he was habitually healing the sick. Which means what he was doing in, a, in the field of the miraculous was not in one city, it was not in one season, it was not at one time, but literally everywhere Jesus was going, he was putting the devil out of business. It wasn't that he just healed one sick man, it's that time after time he healed the sick. It wasn't that he just delivered one demon-possessed woman, it was that time after time he was delivering and setting the captive free. I just want to report to you today, there's a reason why we just keep walking with Jesus. It's not because he did it one time, but we've seen him do it time and time and time. I wish I could find some help in the church today. That you've seen the faithfulness of God, and you've seen the goodness of God. You've seen 
the power of God demonstrated over and over and over and over again. We are not here hoping that he might do it one more time. We are here because last week he made a way out of no way. On Friday, he delivered somebody. On Thursday, he healed somebody. He just keeps continually demonstrating his power. He's not just a on-time God one time, but how many know he's been on time every time, all the time? He continually healed the sick. That's what it says in the Greek. He continually delivered the oppressed. He continually worked miracles. He continually kicks the devil's tail. I said it. Jesus continually kicks the devil's tail. He, he's not going to win. He has won the battle. I wish I could find a witness who believes Jesus is not just going to be the champion. He is the champion. And he's the champion every week, every day, every month, every year. He keeps on winning. And the crowd keeps growing. They keep following because they continually see him habitually show that he is God. So the Bible said he's got this multitude. It's unique to me that John says in the fourth verse, he sets this story in the context of Passover. Got to pay attention to those little phrases. He's trying to create a juxtaposed position. He wants you to see two things happening at the same time. Jesus is getting ready to show a miracle of bread and the Jews are getting ready to go into the time of Passover and we know that it's also a time of unleavened bread. Those two feasts run side by side. Watch this. John is trying to get us to see that the people who have for hundreds of years been eating the meal of bread, reminding them of the bread of deliverance in the old covenant, he's trying to get them to see that they're getting ready to take that meal again and the one who is the bread is standing in front of them. I wanna say this to you about the feasts of the Lord. I wanna say this to you about the feast of the Lord. The feasts of the Lord are all pointing to Jesus. And yet some of them continue to participate in the feast and they still don't see their Messiah. Jesus came to fulfill everything that was spoken of him and the prophets in the law. I want you to know today, I announce it without fear of repercussion or any reservation. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we can be saved other than the name of Jesus Christ. Don't get it mixed up. Don't let somebody get it all twisted in your mind. You can lick on a crystal and it won't bring you hope. You can, you can pray to a pope or a priest and it won't give you eternal life. There is only one name. There is only one man. Every feast points to him. Every church ought to preach him. Every sermon ought to lead back to him. Every Bible study ought to be about him. The feast of Passover, the feast of unleavened bread, it was all set up by God so that people who were hungry could see that he would be the bread of life. And here he is standing in their midst. It's the time of Passover and the bread is before them and the lamb is among them and they're blind to it. And because he has the power to work miracles and because he has taken diseases off of bodies and because he has extended lives, and because he has broken curses, and because he has reversed the curse, 
Because he has delivered the bound, there is this massive crowd of people following him. And the Bible says this, that he looked up. Look at it there, verse number five. It's dramatic in the Greek. It's, 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 it's much more dramatized. It, he looks up. It's the same language used when he tells his disciples, look at the field. It's ready for harvest. Get your, look at your neighbor and say, get your head up. I don't know why the church is looking down in this. I'm not talking about today. I'm just talking about the church at large. We got a lot of people looking down. The harvest is not down there. The harvest is out there. The church has got to get motivated and get her head up again so that she can get her eyes on the hurting masses and the lost humanity and the hungry that are dying because they're starving and they're not starving physically, they're starving spiritually. They don't have eternal life because they've not known the power of Jesus Christ. And he says to his people, he says to his disciples, look at the field, the harvest is plenteous. I want to announce to you today, not everybody in Chattanooga is saved. Not everybody in Hamilton County is saved. Well, we have a church on every corner and not everybody in Chattanooga has been to church and not everybody in Hamilton County wants to go to a church. We're going to have to get our eyes on the lost and to look at what Jesus is looking at. We're looking at everything else and we've got our mind on all kinds of things and the heart of God is not for the, for the found and the well. The heart of God is for the sick and the lost. And while we're spending our time building our kingdoms, we have people who are dying and going to hell and they're not going for the weekend. They're going to burn forever and be lost for eternity. And Jesus is saying, I am the bread. I am the one that can quench their thirst, satisfy their hunger and save them with my grace and power. Get your head up. He looked up. And he saw the field, he saw the harvest, he saw the masses coming. Now watch this. Here comes a crowd of people, and they're all hungry. And who does Jesus talk to? He talks to his leaders. He said, read the text. It's right there. He looks up, he sees the crowd, and he turns to Philip. He doesn't talk to the crowd. He talks to the leaders. What are we going to do to feed all these people? You know why he doesn't say to the masses, hey, where's y'all's lunch? Y'all coming? You're looking hungry? Where's your food? He doesn't talk to the crowd. He talks to his leaders. Why? He expects his leaders to be part of the solution. It's getting quiet on Sunday afternoon. He expects his people to be a part of feeding them. He doesn't ask them where their food is because he's mad that they didn't bring any. I think we think in the church we ought to be talking to the lost about their plans for fixing this screwed up society when they're trying to find a way out of it themselves. They're just looking for some leaders who have enough backbone to tell the truth and enough churches with enough Jesus to make a difference. 
He's not talking to the world about how screwed up the world is. He's talking to the church about what's your plan to go feed them. I can't find no help in here today. Look at your neighbor and say, what's your plan? Okay, you ready for this? So he sees them coming and he starts talking to his leaders. He turns to Philip and says, where are we going to buy food for this? It's massive amount of people. Where can we go buy food to feed them? Now, let me help you understand something about the Bible. If you don't know this, let me make sure you know this. Jesus never asks humanity a question because he needs their help. God never asked humanity a question because they had information he was looking for. Ezekiel, can these bones live? Adam, where are you? To the man with the withered hand, will you be made whole? Jesus doesn't ask questions because we have information he's in need of. He asks questions to find out if we're on the right page. Well, we're walking around now. We've gotten away from the notes. It's time to get nervous. There are too many people in this house and too many people watching me online right now that do not value the questions the Lord asks you. You want a prophetic word and you want a prophetic promise and all that is wonderful, but there comes a place in your journey of maturity, of development, of growing up in the faith where you don't need another promise. God will often ask you a question to test and measure the authenticity and the strength of your faith to see if you are on the right page and are able to participate in the upcoming miracle. My God, I feel like preaching. I sense that God has been giving some of us commercials of what the future could look like, divine commercials of blessing and multiplication and increase and abundance, and you've been waiting on a word, and God's not giving you another word because you don't need another word. What some of us need is a question, and the question he may be asking you is testing the authenticity and the strength of your faith so that when you step into what is getting ready to happen, you don't blow it royally. Well, I want a spouse. He might be asking you some real difficult questions. Can you balance a checkbook? Can you make a biscuit? Are you willing to clean up socks you didn't leave in the floor? See, y'all can't handle this. You want tongues and he na 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 ta ta. God is asking you some questions because you act like you want to be a part of a miracle, but the questions God may be asking are trying to put a finger on the thing that hasn't quite developed to the place that empowers you and authorizes you to be a part of the miracle. So he's gonna ask you some questions. And he's not looking for your information. He's trying to see if you're on the right page. So he looks to Philip and he says, where can we buy food for all these people? And Philip's not on the right page. <laughs> Why? 
Because Philip looks at the demand and immediately tries to fix the issue through natural means. And it looks like this. We have 5,000 people. If every one of them got one bite, first of all, can we just establish this without lying? Because if you lie, you'll go to hell. Can we just establish this? One bite would just take me off if I was really hungry. <laughs> See, you are too spiritual. I'm, I'm all by myself in this. But if I'm hungry and all you give me is a bite, it wakes something up that I had the ability to manage, but suddenly I cannot manage it anymore. It releases chemicals and endorphins in my body, and all of a sudden, I, who had the control of my flesh, suddenly lose it. And one bite turns on the monster. Do you know what I'm talking about? In fact, it happened to me this week. We had some food that I really enjoy. I went back for seconds. Gone. So I'm making a rule next year that children don't eat until I and the rest of us get seconds. Just get in the back of the line. Somebody's like, oh, he's kidding. I am not kidding, okay? This is not a, this is not a joking matter, okay? This is a serious thing. So, okay. so it's like child abuse, okay. Um, he says to Philip, where will we get food to feed all these people? Philip says, listen to what Philip says, if we worked for a half a year, we would only have enough money to buy everybody a bite of food. Let me tell you what that means. You need a miracle. And the real miracle in this is that God accelerated time. I hope you're catching what I'm throwing down today. We need half a year, all of us working, all 12 of us, 13 counting Jesus, we need half a year to work enough to get everybody a bite. And here's the deal, you don't have half a year. You have 5,000 hungry people standing in front of you. You don't have time to do this in the strength of your flesh. You need a multiplication miracle. That is the place God is trying to get us to in the kingdom of God. We keep looking at the masses and we keep saying, we don't have enough. We don't have enough money. We don't have enough time. We don't have enough. And the Lord is saying, I'm trying to see. I feel like preaching in Chattanooga on Sunday. I'm trying to see if somebody will recognize they don't have enough, but I am more than enough. That's what Jesus is saying. I'm trying to get you to see you don't have enough time. You don't have enough money. You don't have enough jobs. You don't have enough side hustles. You don't have enough in your strength. So why don't you cast all your care on me for I care for you. Touch your neighbor and tell your neighbor God is about to multiply some stuff for you. I don't know if they needed it, but for whoever needed it, if I'm talking to you, you ought to holler at your boy. God is about to multiply some stuff for you. We don't have half a year. And that's what we're dealing with in the church world. We're dealing with people in the church world who recognize the hunger is outpacing our ability. Hunger is at the hunger of the world, the demand of this society and generation. It's outpacing the strength of the preachers. So the preachers better get more than a sermon. 
Now, I believe in preaching. I believe God chose the foolishness of preaching to save the lost. And I do not aspire to these crazy people who say, we don't need preaching. Sit down, sit your hips down and read the Bible. We need preaching. Preaching doesn't make people go to hell. Preaching the gospel gets people out of hell. And we don't need less preachers. We need more preachers. And we don't need less gospel. I need some help here. We need more gospel. Having said all that, we have to have more than a sermon. We want to fix everything through a sermon. We want to heal everything through a sermon. And sometimes it takes more than a sermon. It takes a supernatural intervention that you have to be willing to let God do and trust him that he can do more without your sermon than you can through your sermon in your own strength. Well, why do we have to go to another city? We don't have to. We get to. And I hope you understand we're living in times where God is birthing strategy into the earth that redeems time. I can only be in one place at one time. But through the blessing of technology, we can be in multiple places at the same time. Well, I don't know about the blessing of technology. Then sit down and let somebody else utilize the gift that God is giving our generation. But we cry about how much hell breaks loose on social media and we criticize all the false prophets on social media and rightfully so because there's more parking lot prophets on Facebook than anything I've ever seen in my life. But that doesn't mean that the true prophets and the true preachers run from social media. It means we put our stake in the ground and say this is going to belong to the kingdom of God and these crazy heretics that don't know the Bible who are preaching garbage can take a seat by the people who know their God can be strong and do great exploits. Say amen, family. We, 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 we too quickly look through the lens of the flesh trying to solve a spiritual issue. Humanity is hungry. We don't have time to figure this out in the natural. We need the help of God. So, Jesus looks and Philip said, where are we going to buy enough food? And Philip said, if we worked half a year, everybody would get a bite. And then he looks, and then one of his other little disciple friends decided he's going to chime in and get spiritual. So Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, says, uh, here's a little boy, which first of all, I resent that. You have immediately disqualified yourself from being part of the miracle when you think because he's a lad. Uh, he's young. He only got five loaves and two fish. Well, he, first of all, Brother Yeye, he got more than you got because you don't have nothing. But, but he's young, and he's only got five loaves and two fish. And what is that among so many? Have you ever had somebody question what you brought to the table? They look at what little bit you have because they, they don't have nothing themselves. I better quit because I could get myself in some real trouble right here. They don't have something themselves but are not at all afraid to criticize or to uh, judge what little bit you have and throw shade on your little bit when what you have is actually more than what they have. 
at this little lad. He's got five loaves and two fish. What is that among so many? Let me tell you what that is. God is about to use what you have. Let me say it this way. What you need is what you have. God will never require more of you than what you have. He is never going to perform a miracle with what you don't have. He's always going to use what you have and multiply it until it becomes more than enough. Look at your neighbor telling him, you got what you need. Mm -hmm. You have what you need. I don't know what season you're in in your life, what you've been struggling through, thinking through, processing in your mind. I don't know what voices have been telling you you don't have enough, you are not enough, you will never add up, you could never outlive that. Your family was crazy, you are crazy, you will never break this cycle. If I don't do anything else today before I let you go from this message, I hope I put my foot on the head of that lying devil that's been trying to talk you out of the thing God is getting ready to do in your life. Jesus did not come just so that you could put a band-aid on a, on a little problem. He came to revolutionize your life, jerk you out of a pit, take you out of the curse, put you in a place of blessing, and everything you put your hands on, God said, I'll bless it if you'll turn it over to me. Hallelujah. He, he says, what is this among so many? And when Jesus heard that he had five loaves and two fish, five and two, five and two, five plus two is seven. And it may not look like enough, but seven is always a reminder that it is complete and God has what he needs. And I came to tell you that five and two may not look like enough, but seven is complete. Somebody needs to know you are not in a place of lack you are in a place of completion. And just because it doesn't look, I feel a little bit of preach getting in me here. Just because it doesn't look like it'll work, if you'll give it to God, God will work through what you have and make it more than enough. Look at your neighbor one more time. Tell him time. Tell him you got what you need. You've got what somebody online watching me right now. Stop crying over what you don't have. You don't need what you don't have. All you need is what you got left. And if you will take it. I read, I heard an old song growing up that the saints used to sing little is much when God gets in it. Oh, hallelujah. It's not enough in your hand but it's about to change hands and God is about to take your not enough and make it more than enough. That's it. I'm winding up. Which means nothing. Watch. He says, sit, watch. Sit them down. Read the text. Sit them down. I read this, Carolyn. I said, how interesting that God would sit the people down. And it said this, there was green grass everywhere. And I'm reminded of Psalm 23. He, I might be hungry but at least he made me to lie down in a green pasture. Lord, who am I preaching to? 
Some of you are hungry, but you need to recognize he didn't take you to a wilderness. He didn't take you to a barren desert. If I'm going to be hungry and I'm a sheep, at least lead me into green pastures. I want to tell somebody today, you are not as in a mess as the enemy wants you to think you are. You actually more have more provision surrounding you than you are able to recognize. Touch somebody and tell them I may be hungry, but at least my life is green. Uh-huh. Which means I'm going to be hungry for a season, but I'm not going to be hungry forever. I'm getting ready to eat in this land. I'm getting ready to be blessed in this season. God has positioned me in a place that as his sheep, he's about to feed me till I won't no more. Oh, Lord have mercy. Some of you have been living lean and you're about to have to make a shift and an adjustment because God is about to take you out of the land of not enough and put you in the land of more than enough. He sits them down and I thought about that. I had to do that sometimes in my house. I have to say to the chaos, y'all go sit down. It happened Thanksgiving. You know, y'all can act like y'all fine with this all you want to, but I had to repent of bitterness over the late family members. We're 30 minutes late and I'm sitting here starving. And the turkey done sitting up congealing and just... Just, they're coming. Okay, praise God. I can save them a plate. <laughs> I save them the plates. No, 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 we're going to wait on everybody. Okay, let's wait. Hold hands. And then chaos broke out. Kids are screaming. People are crying. Everybody's going crazy. And I have to go say, everybody go sit down. Peace. Turn the movie on for the kids. Y'all, come on here. Sit down. Jesus, sit. can you imagine 5,000 people and they're hungry? There might be a thousand, there's probably a thousand people in this room today, five times this, and 12 people trying to oversee that chaos. You better sit them down quick. Order and peace precede miracles and blessings. I'm hungry. Sit down. Go sit down. You need a season of chill. We all know you're hungry. You told us. But in order to participate in what's getting ready to happen, we got to have some order and some peace. I'm talking to somebody right now. You just need to sit down in a season and get ready for what's fixing to happen. And he sits them down. Now, here's what I want to point out to you, and I'm going to be done. The crowd sat down. Read the text. He sat the crowd down, but the disciples had to stand up. What do you do when you are standing and serving while others are sitting and receiving? How many people in here are in it 
to win it. I'm talking about you're in the kingdom of God and you're not just a consumer Christian. You really do believe in making investments and advancing the kingdom and loving people. Come on, lift your hand. That's not a rhetorical question. How many are in it to win it? You are trying to work for the Lord, do the Lord's work, do what God wants you. You don't just come on Sunday just to get a blessing. You are trying to make a difference in life. Lift your hand one more time. Lift your hand. I need to talk to you and preach to you for a minute. You have to be careful that you don't get bitter. You can't get bitter while you're standing and serving and others are sitting and receiving. I need a chair. I need a chair. I need a chair. Feed me. Feed me. I'm hungry. And God said, stand up. I told them to sit down. I need you to participate in what I'm getting ready to do. We have people in the kingdom who want to sit and be fed rather than stand up and serve. Oh, it got quiet and people are just all of a sudden drew up that quick. There are times of rest and respite and you have to take them and I have to take them and in order to stay strong, you need breaks. But we are in a season right now in the kingdom where we have got to stand and serve while others sit and eat. And if you're not careful, you will miss your purpose and you will miss your assignment and thus you will miss the blessing because what God is trying to get you to see is that you are going to be a part of the miracle of feeding hungry people. Wait a minute, let me show you what the text says. The text says that he took the bread out of the boy's hand. Look, let, 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 let me have you, Pastor Jeremy. You're gonna quit sitting on the front row, I know, because I keep using y'all. Y'all, y'all come stay, Mike, come stand with me. Come on, Rick, stand up and look like Jesus today. Come on, come on. Everybody turn around and face them. Now watch this, watch this, watch this. The boy with five loaves and two fish. Listen, I think you were Jesus last time. Okay, it's just prophetic. Okay. The boy with the five loaves and the two fish give the five loaves and the two fish to Jesus. Jesus takes the five loaves and the two fish and lifts it up to God and thanks God for it. When is the last time you ever saw somebody crazy enough to look at 5,000 people and then take a fish meal from McDonald's, a filet of fish sandwich, and a side of fries and lift it up and say, thank you, God. Thank you for this fish sandwich. Thank you for these two pieces of bread. He gave thanks for what looked like not enough. If you can give God thanks for what looks like not enough, it will prophesy more than enough Somebody in this room has got to stop waiting on more than enough to come before you get thankful. Elbow your neighbor and tell your neighbor, thank him for what you got. If you know how to thank God for what you've got, he knows how to take what you've got and multiply it. Watch, watch, watch. The boy has five loaves and two fish. He gives it to Jesus. Jesus lifts up his hands and thanks God for it. And you would think 
If you think like we think in church, you would think Jesus started feeding the multitude. That is not what your Bible teaches. He gave his lunch meal to Jesus. Jesus gave his lunch meal to the Father. And then Jesus gave the lunch meal to the disciples who then went out and fed the multitude. What is the point? If you're hungry, you can't be picky about who feeds you. Well, I don't want to receive from him because uh, he is not my favorite preacher. But if you're hungry, you ain't hungry enough yet. If you're hungry, if you really get hungry, you will stop acting like that the people God put in your life are insignificant because if they're carrying what you need, you need to get thankful that God sent them to you. Well, quit pouting that Jesus didn't give it to you. If Jesus gave it to them, then I'm gonna take what Jesus gave them and take it for myself. When you come to church on Sunday, you say, well, you, I get all these people who criticize church all the time, but you gotta understand church is like a male house and when you come to the mail house you don't get to choose what mail somebody puts in your box you don't chase the postmaster general down when he gives you a bill you don't like if it's got your name on it you open up the bill and pay the bill if God's gonna bless you with some kind of word stop worrying about the package he put it in it came from Jesus and he put it in my hands and I'm trying to put it in you God wants us to participate in the miracle. Jesus could have thanked God and started handing food out, but that's not efficient, Anna Ayers. And we, dis, we have disregarded and devalued efficiency. We want one person to feed everybody. And God said, there are too many hungry people for me to put the meal in just one person's hands. So I'm going to take the meal and I'm going to multiply the meal and then I'm going to distribute it to faithful people who will carry the food to the masses. One more thing and I'm done. This thing right here blew my mind. Everybody ate till they were full. Read your Bible. Tell somebody, tell them, read your Bible. The Bible said they ate their fill. That's a King James way of saying they ate what they wanted to eat. Now I'm getting ready to blow your mind because religion will have you rationing Jesus to the multitudes. But religion does not have the power to ration Jesus because the kingdom that I live in and the kingdom you live in is not a kingdom of limits and lids. The kingdom we live in is a kingdom of abundance. I wish you would tell your neighbor there's enough Jesus for you to eat everything you want. There's enough miracles. There's enough blessing. There's enough power. There's enough abundance. There's enough breakthrough. 
There's enough anointing. There's enough of the glory of God for you not to get a little dab of do you on Sunday. If all you're getting is a touch, you're not getting your feel. You need to pull up and drink and eat in the kingdom of God till you've got no more room. And everybody eats what they want. It's a buffet of blessings. Can you imagine 5,000 people and the 12 have these baskets and they're feeding people and this dude over here says, I want some more. Okay. And give him some more. And this woman over here starts hollering at him. I want some more. Okay. Everybody wants some more and there's more than enough for everybody. And they get to the end. And those who've been standing and serving have not eaten. And they're hungry. And you come to the end of this miracle and you think, I fed everybody else. Everybody else got their food. I've served and poured out and I've lived sacrificially and I've my feet are hurting, Jesus. I, I've been standing on this hillside all day long feeding these people. I'm just being real. I'm just a little tired. I'm hungry. And Jesus said one more thing to him. He said, grab these leftovers. <laughs> what? You have five loaves and two fish and 5,000 people and no fights broke out? And nothing went Jerry Springer, and nothing was on the evening news. You, you had all this stuff happening, and not only did everybody get full, but there's leftovers. And then he says, don't waste the leftovers. And here's the point. They served and poured out and fed people, and they met the needs of humanity. And Jesus was saying to them, I'll never watch you serve and stand and not have some left over for you. So go get the leftovers. And how many baskets of leftovers were there? Twelve. And how many disciples did Jesus have? Twelve. What were the baskets for? Those who had been standing and those who had been serving Somewhere the enemy might have told him, you know what, when you get through with this, you're not going to have nothing left. And Jesus said, devil, you're a liar. I'm going to make sure that everybody who ever stood with me to serve humanity is blessed coming in. I feel like preaching here before I go home and blessed going out. I need you to get encouraged and blessed before... Christmas season starts because some people in this room have been standing and serving. Somebody watching me online has been standing and serving. You've been feeding other people who've been sitting down. It doesn't look like they got any motivation at all and you've been blessing them. Don't get bitter while you bless people who are sitting down. While you're standing up, God is not just multiplying it for them. God is multiplying it for you. You and your house are about 
about to step into a season of divine blessing, of divine multiplication. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but as I close, let me tell you this. If you've ever stood and served while others were sitting and receiving, God took good notes and God is about to bless you coming in. God is about to bless you going out. God is going to bless you in the city. God is going to bless you in the field. God's got some leftovers for you. Stand with me. He says, thank you, brothers. He says, don't waste it. Be careful that you don't waste what actually belongs to you. They didn't know when they were gathering the leftovers, they were getting their own. But I know they ate those leftovers because later in that chapter, Jesus said, you follow me because I filled you up. So at some point in the journey, those who were feeding got filled themselves. I'm praying for you that this week, tonight, tomorrow, the next time you go down to the, to the steakhouse and have some food left over, I pray every time you open that fridge to eat a bite of leftovers, something to get on you. That you'll stop feeling forgotten. That you'll remember he saved some for me. Shake hands with your neighbor, tell him he saved some for you. He saved some for you. He saved some for you. You, you were worried he forgot about you. He sent me to tell you today he didn't forget about you. He's got you some leftovers. There's been a past season in your life where you poured out more than you received back. I need you to hear me tell you, God will owe no man or woman anything. If you ever poured out in a season and didn't get it back in that same season, there's a new season coming for you. And God is going to give you your own basket of blessing. The hands that participated in the miracle of feeding of other people are the hands that are going to have to make the transition to enjoy the blessing and the bread themselves. And I'm going to say this, there are some people in this room, you have no problem serving others and standing while others sit, but you have a very challenging time being blessed. Let me say this to you. There are people in this room who like to see other people serve, but don't like to see other people get blessed. You need to get delivered and enjoy the abundance of God. God is going to bless you and your family, and he's also going to bless people, and he's going to let you see his blessing. Don't ever get jealous when somebody else gets fed. And the entire crux of this whole chapter and story is this. Jesus is the bread that came down from God out of heaven. We are not talking about getting more stuff and less Jesus. 
We are talking get, about getting more of Jesus. And if you get more of him, you have everything else you'll ever need. This is an issue of priority. Go after him. And if you get the true bread that came down from God out of heaven, everything else in life will line up for you. Let's lift our hands right now and just lift our, can we lift our thanks to God for what he has left over for some of us in this room? I just feel like somebody needs to take heart and be encouraged. God, today, I just pray for the people. I pray for the family today, God. We, we, there's so many wonderful people in this room that pour out and pour out and pour out and pour out and they stand while others are sitting. God, don't let them get bitter. I pray in Jesus' name in this season. In fact, God, before the first of this year, I decree over them in the next month, they're going to step into a season of blessing themselves. Ha, huh? Jesus. A blessing is coming for them. A basket full of blessing is coming for them. They have handed it out. Now put it in their basket. Put it in their basket. Put it in their basket. Multiply it and give some leftovers for them. Let, them. let them feast till they hunger no more in Jesus' name. Here's about eyes are closed. If you're in this room, you say, Pastor Kevin, I need to get right with God today. I feel like there's somebody in this room that just needs to say yes. Yes to Jesus, yes to his kingdom, yes to his plan for your life. If you're in this room and you say, Pastor Kevin, I need to get some things right with God. I need to turn my life over to the Lord. Maybe you've known Jesus and you feel a million miles away now. Maybe you've never met him and you've never asked him to be the Lord of your life. If you're in this room and I, heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're in this room and you say, Pastor Kevin, pray for me. I really need to get right with God before I go to my car before I catch my Uber, whatever it is you're getting ready to do, if you're in this room and you need Jesus to save you and rescue you and heal your life, I want you to lift your hand when I say three and say, Pastor, pray for me. I need to get right with God. One, two, three, right now. Just, just anybody. Yes, I see that hand. God bless you. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you. You can put your hands down all over this room. I want you to look at the just, just those who pray and intercede. Just You're praying and interceding with me right now for these precious souls. But if you lifted your hand, or you should have, in just a moment, we're gonna do what we do here every Sunday at Redemption, and we're gonna to talk to our neighbor and ask them if they need someone to go to the altar. I don't care if you've known your neighbor on your left and on your right. I don't care if you've known them your whole life or you've never met them before today. I want you to look at the person standing on your left and right and ask them this one question. Do you need someone to go to the altar with you and pray? And if you lifted your hand, or you should have, I want you to come out of your seat and come meet me right here because we're going to pray for you today. We're going to pray with you today. And Jesus is going to save your life right now. Ask the person on both sides, do you need someone to go to the altar with you? And if you lifted your hand, or you should have, come join me. Come on. Anybody at all? I saw some hands. We don't come get people. God bless you. God bless you. Come on, sir. God bless you. Come on. Come on, family. God bless you. People are coming to the altar. I think we ought to give God some good praise. Come on. God bless you. Come on, there's room for everybody who wants to come. Just, just make sure you ask your neighbor. Don't, 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 don't leave the way you came. You don't have to. Come on. Anybody else? God bless you, baby. Come on. Come on, come on, come on. Right here, sweet girl. Come on, come on. Somebody help me praise the Lord. Come on, sir. I see you coming. God bless you. Come on, sir. Oh, thank you, Lord. The windows of heaven are open. Come on. Hallelujah. Come on, sweetie. Come on, sweetie. There's room for you, come on. Hey, angels are throwing a party. I think we ought to get really authentically excited. 
Give me some help right here. God bless you. They're still coming. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there. They're still coming. Come on, y'all. Praise God. And now I am happy, y'all. Just one more time. Stretch your hands toward them and pray for them, please. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart. It was there by faith. I received my sight. Lift your hands on a receiving position. I want to bless every one of you before you leave today. These are going to continue to pray. I'm going to pray for you, and I want you to receive this prayer because I believe God is going to honor it and hear my heart as I pray it. I'm going to pray it with faith, and I'm going to believe God that you are coming into a time and a season where you're going to feast on the leftovers. Your cupboard will not be empty. Your fridge is going to get full. You've poured out, but God's going to pour in. If you need that, lift your hands right now. Father, I bless every person in this room. I decree and declare over their lives right now that they're gonna be blessed. I thank you, Father, that today is a point of turning for their families, for their lives. I speak and decree and declare what I believe to be your word over them and their future. That they have poured out and stood and they have served while others are sitting and receiving. And this is a season for them to experience the blessing for themselves. And I pray in Jesus' name, you give them more than what they ever poured out and bless them with abundance in the name of Jesus. And if you receive it and believe it's your season, somebody shout amen. Let's give God a real praise all over this room. Hey family, I believe God is touching hearts right now. The preached word of God causes the lost to come to Christ. I believe someone's watching. Maybe you feel a million miles away from God. Maybe you've been in church. Maybe you've never been in church. Listen, I want to tell you that it doesn't matter where you are in life right now. If you want Christ to save you, no matter what you've done and no matter how long you've been doing it, if you'll turn your heart to him, he'll save you right now. I want to lead you in a prayer. Say, dear Lord, I confess that I'm a sinner. And Jesus, I'm asking you to save me from my sin. Save me from myself. Lord, come in and be the king of my life. I give you my past, my present, and my future. And I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, to rescue me today. In Jesus' name, by faith, I believe that I'm saved and a child of God. Amen. Listen, friend. I know that's a simple prayer, but I believe with all of my heart, salvation is as simple as turning from sin and turning to Christ. If you did that today, I wanna to pray that God give you a strong Bible-believing church. I want you to go to kevinwallace.tv, learn how the resources that we have can help you in your journey. Listen, we wanna pray for you. Drop us a line on the prayer request. Let us know you gave your heart to Christ, and our team's gonna be praying for you this coming week. You're gonna get stronger. You're gonna grow deeper in your love for God. You're gonna become everything he put you on this planet to be. I'm praying for you. I love you. I'll see you next week. God bless.